All right. Assalamu alaikum, everyone. We are now live on the Brother Ben X podcast with Sister Wendy Muhammad. And before we get started with her introduction, I want you guys to like and share this video out. And we're going to, as always, start off with the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. And today we're going to be talking about him speaking about doing for self, because there's a lot of us who are in need of doing for self. We are running a rat race where we're on the job. I actually asked one of my brothers the other day, I said, uh, brother, what's what's your dream career? And he said, brother, you know what? I really don't even know. I've been working for so long doing the same thing over and over again to the point where I really don't know what I want to do. So I want to bring her on because she is a multi-million dollar master business and real estate developer and creator of the mind of an entrepreneur movement. And we know that the Nation of Islam has always taught about doing for self now. We want to give you the blueprint of how and show you an example. So let's get into this first video with the minister speaking about doing for self. Now remember, our dear sister Julianne Malvo mentioned A. Philip Randolph. Man, that was long time ago. And the cry was, Jobs and justice. In the March on Washington in 1963, the cry was jobs and justice. In the 20 year anniversary of the March on Washington, the cry was jobs and justice. We are now in 2010. And what is the cry? Jobs and justice. Well, wait a minute. How long are you going to sit around begging white people to do for us what we have the power to do for So I think that was a great way uh, to start off the show. Thank you all for tuning in. So my sister, Wendy Muhammad, please introduce yourself for those who do not know who you are. Assalamu alaikum, my dear brother, Ben. Uh, reason we can't hear you. And I love Wait one second. I'm sorry. Okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. Assalamu alaikum. Can you hear me now? Yes, ma'am. Good. All praises due to Allah. I am Sister Wendy Muhammad. Um, as Brother Ben said, master business and real estate developer. Um, I say master because I've been doing business and in love with business just about my entire life. Um, so it's a it's a gift that I have. Um, I have a really strong professional intuition when it comes to business and processes and systems and real estate, and I'm I'm very blessed to be able to do what I love and be able to align my gifts to the point where now I'm, I'm an artist with it. And my goal is to really help make doing for self infectious. Can you talk about what exactly, um, if you can, as far back, when did you start to really see yourself finding a love for entrepreneurship and business? Um, so when I was a little girl, I was always curious about things like how stuff went together. I was nosy. 
<laughs> um, I was that little girl who was always in grown folks business, but I always wanted to know how much something cost, um, how something was put together. And my father, when we would go out to restaurants, would allow me to sit there and talk to him about what I thought the restaurant could do better, how it could be improved. And that just kind of started it. And then I went on to study accounting and business. And, you know, my mom would bring home the Kiplinger financial report to me every week. And I, I did a lot of studying and a lot of reading and just business just kind of became my life. Even now, when I go into a place, I don't just go in. It's hard for me to even enjoy it because I'm looking at the walls and how they put this together and their system and where they probably got their food from and all of that kind of stuff. So I, I was very young. What was the first uh, venture that you found yourself um, going after when it comes to business? As an adult or as a child? Uh, as a child and an adult. So as a child, my brother and I used to cut, you're probably too young to remember this, but the comics used to come in the newspaper and we used to cut them out and staple them together and make a cover and make little booklets. And we used to sell them for a dollar. Mm. And so we started doing that. And then and then whatever side businesses my parents had, they involved us in it. So we had a horse breeding business. We we sold dogs and puppies. <laughs> wow. um, my mom used to give parties where she would charge five dollars at the door and and that's how we, you know, got into it. And then as I, you know, as I got older, I started to want things. And I would always tell my father I wanted a hotel, a hospital and an NBA team. Mm. <laughs> so which one of those did you start to, to get first out of those? What you say, three or four? Yeah. So so the, the hospital, I won't say it fell in my lap, but I wasn't I wasn't in healthcare. And about 12 years ago. I met my business partner. I was here in D.C. working on a project and he was looking for somebody to assist him with his nonprofit. And I didn't want to do it, but I was like, ah, I'll go to the meeting. You know, I'm here in town. I was stuck because I think there was a snowstorm or something in Chicago and I couldn't get back. And I went to the meeting. He started talking about the nonprofit and I was like, not interested. Um, <laughs> um, and then he started talking about he was a surgeon. And he said, I'm tired of being in the hospital. I don't get off till 2 a.m. And um, this and that is wrong with the healthcare industry. And then I started studying it. And the next time I talked to him, um, I said, why don't you build your own surgery center or get your own office? He says, yeah, I could, but I don't have time. And he had a great idea for it. I said, well, I can do that. And so then I started, my, my intention was to just consult him on it. And then we ended up becoming business partners. And first we built um, a clinic and then we had three clinics. And then um, from the clinics, we went to a surgery center. And now we have a freestanding micro hospital here in Laurel, Maryland. So, and he and I are the principals of that, that organization. A brother asked from Instagram, if you were to start from scratch all over today, 2020, how would you uh, get to where you are now? Well, I started from scratch. Um, I don't know that I would do anything differently. I am an avid studier. Um, let me tell you what I did with my career from a college standpoint. Because I knew I wanted to own businesses, I started to try to drive my education so that I could 
understand what I was doing when it came to business. So I, I started out majoring in engineering and then I, I didn't like it. But the good thing about that is that now that I do a lot of real estate, that comes in handy. Mm-hmm. And I went into accounting and then I ended up getting a dual degree in accounting and finance. And so what I wanted was for my first job to either be in business consulting or in public accounting, because I had researched that in public accounting, you get to go around and do these audits and do these consultations. And so I said, hmm, if I can be in and out of 10 different businesses in the course of one year, where the rest of my colleagues are sitting at a desk somewhere doing the same thing, look at the trajectory of my career. So I started to structure it that way. The minute I got a chance to go into business consulting, I jumped at it because it used to be kind of like an all white boys network. It was hard to get into consulting. Um, So that's how I did it. And I would probably still do that same thing. There's other little mistakes along the way that I made, but in terms of when I went to college, understanding what I wanted to do and being focused on that and really just building up my knowledge base on it. Because on the other side of it is that there's a momentum you get. When you know what you want to do, your your focus, and you know, it all starts here in the mind and you put your focus in that direction, you start to build a momentum. Mm. Pretty soon you're studying different businesses. You'll start to say, hmm, I've seen this before. This is a theme. Um, I get this. And then just like you do with your podcast, I'm sure you probably can tell us some things about what you do that the rest of us don't even know. Mm-hmm. So I just started grooming my own self and just figuring out what I needed and what, what what it would take in order for me to own a business. And then it was just a matter of time of me lining up with it. And it didn't line up right away. I mean, I had a lot of stuff that I had to work on, but eventually, you know, it worked out. If you could tell your 20 year old something about business, what is that advice that you would give to your 20 year old self? 20 year old self, I would say, stop being so emotional and worried about what other people think Mm. and do what you got to do. If I had to do that again, I would probably have maybe I would probably have started maybe a little earlier. But, you know, it was I was in college and stuff at that time and I was learning. But one of my biggest hurdles is that I was just always worried about what other people were thinking. Um, I was emotional. Uh, I didn't understand how to get my mind in the right place so that I could be successful in business Mm. because I have been trained all my life. I was always a good student. I was reading at four years old. So when you're a good student and you grew up in the Midwest, you get groomed to be a good employee. Mm. So I was a very good employee. So it took some mental strategies to get me to the other side of being uh, in business for myself. So, and I, and, I, and I think that's where a lot of people are right now. I had one sister hit me up and said that, you know, she's been working on this job, working on this job, and mm-hmm. she's just tired of being on this job because she wants to spend more time with the family. So Mm -hmm. what kind of wealth strategies or even mental strategies can somebody start to apply that can take them from being an employee all of their life to now I'm running my own business or I'm doing something for myself? What what kind of strategy do they need? Well, you first have to deconstruct the colonized or slave mindset that has been indoctrinated in all your behaviors. So 
That's the first thing you have to do. You got to do some work on yourself because a lot of us don't think that we can be successful unless we're going to work at a job mm -hmm. and not only at, at a job, but we think it has to be a big company owned by white people. Yeah. You know, there's very few of us. We, we have challenges here um, at the hospital a lot of times with black people coming here to work for us. Mm. Um, because they're just not used to, they don't, they don't think they're going to get a check. They stressed out. Um, so that's the first thing you got to start deconstructing because if you think, like you said, the sister said, I'm tired of working the job. Well, you can't then say, okay, I just want to work nine to five. If you're working for yourself and doing for yourself, that's a round the clock thing. Absolutely. Because you're either going to be studying, working on improving yourself, you know, you want to bring your family with you in on it. There's so many other things that you got to work on, but you got to start deconstructing that mindset that says, I'm looking for an hourly wage or an annual salary and my net worth or my self-worth is um, the equivalent of how much money I make, what I'm bringing home. You, you got to get that out of your system. You got to get yourself into the mindset that you really can do for self. And a lot of people don't really believe that they need some type of corporate structure in order for them to feel good uh, about themselves. And that comes from our training as children. What's your thoughts on business funding? There's a lot of people who say, man, you know, I just need funding. I, I mm. just need money. If I, I, I reason I'm not an entrepreneur or the reason I'm not in business brothers, because I didn't get a hundred thousand or a million dollars in funding. What's your thoughts on business funding? So let me tell you a little story about that. Um, <clears throat> think about maybe 2016, I was in South Africa and I was invited there to do a, to talk to a group of women entrepreneurs um, about basically doing for self. <clears throat> and they didn't want to hear that. They just wanted to know where I could tell them that they could get some money. Mm. And sometimes what we don't realize, business is a lot like, the way the music industry used to be. If you don't have sales, you're not getting a deal. Mm -hmm. Same thing in business. If you don't have something built up, you don't have sales, you can't prove to somebody that you're worthy of being invested in, nine times out of 10, you're not gonna get any money. Right. So what happens is we start to over-focus on, I gotta get this money, I gotta get this money. And my su suggestion is start to surround yourself with people where y'all can swap services, start small. You might have to work a job at night mm -hmm. and do your business during the day or vice versa until you slowly flip it. Maybe maybe 50% of your money's coming from the job, the other 50 from your business, and you just keep working it until you can let the job go. But focusing on the money, looking for somebody to invest in you. If I got a million dollars to give away, why would I give it to somebody that has not proven themselves or proven mm -hmm. their concept when somebody else who maybe looks like them, the same age, same neighborhood can show me they got X number of followers. Um, they, they're already making money. They're already an influencer. It's, it's like somebody saying, am I going to invest in brother Ben or am I going to invest in somebody who wants to be like brother Ben? So many people ask me, Brother Ben asks, man, how do I know that you're going live? How do I know when you're producing a podcast? And I saw you also just made a hundred 
in $30,000 in two days. Well, there's a way that you guys can get informed from us via text message. All you have to do is text 50K to 210-504-4094, and we'll give you more information with free game, and we'll let you guys know how we made $130,000 in two days. Text the word 50K to 210-504-4094. We'll give you updates, notifications, and let you guys know how we made $130,000 in two days. Peace. Mm. So you got to think about it from the standpoint of the investor. And if you're asking black people for money, most of us are first generation with with a certain amount of money and we work for that money. So we're not going to just give it to you right. <laughs> because you're nice. Yeah, that's a great point. So you talked about a little about the strategy of, of working off of that job. What is a good strategy for somebody who is on the job? They, they may have purchased a course or now they're getting their mind right. And some people uh, mistakenly say, you know what, man, I'm not working for the white man. I'm going to quit my job right now. And I think that is foolish as well, because now you got bills and you got family that you still have to take care of. So what is a good plan or blueprint for someone who is on the job and, you know, they have been thinking, well, the answer is I'm going to quit my job and then I'm going to try to work my way up when you really don't have anything to work. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What do they do to kind of work themselves off of that job? So the need to do for self comes in, in different forms, right? You got some people who got to do for self is because they under duress. Mm. Maybe they got a background and they can't get a job. Maybe they made a mistake and tattooed the whole side of their face and nobody will hire them. Yeah. Um, what, for whatever reason, maybe they just can't find a job. So their approach is going to be different from the approach of somebody who does have a job who says, I want to get off the job. Mm -hmm. When you say you want to get off the job, you, you know, you can do what I call bridging. You can work. And then in, in the evening, you can sell your products. You got the internet now. You can study. You can learn. And you can build up that revenue and keep flipping, keep flipping, investing until you get to the point where you get a big deal. If you're in a position where you get laid off, which happens to a lot of people, more more people than not can't find a job and they're not going to find a job. And even if they go to somebody else that looks like them, they say, oh, I'm going to call Sister Wendy because I, I want a job and she has a hospital. If you got certain things in your background, I can't hire you mm -hmm. in a state regulated facility. Mm -hmm. So I'm saying that to say that a lot of us are in a position where we don't have a lot of time. Because our only alternative is welfare or something illegal yeah. or living under a bridge. So the, the real process is you got to start finding something that you can sell and something that you can do. Got to get a product. If you're selling water on the corner, but you got to get up and sell. Absolutely. That, that's the number one thing. How, I hope I answered said, your question. Yeah, that's yeah, you did. Okay. How can I make my money do more um, for me? So let's say there's someone who has a job. Let's say it's, pay, it's paying pretty good, but they don't know anything about wealth. How can they start to make this extra money that they're spending on Gucci, that they're spending on the mm -hmm. movie? How can they start to make this work for them so it can become an asset? Now, I get that because, you know, if you instead of getting a $4,000 Gucci bag, maybe you start a business. 
sometimes I'll see a bag that I want in the in the magazine and I'll say, oh man, that's nice. How much is that? Six thousand. I'll just go start a business with that. Mm. And so you start to reduce yourself off of that emotional dependency of always having to have those things. I mean, I still like nice things. Don't get me wrong, but um, it, it helps to take away some of the excessiveness. But I like real estate as an investment. Make sure you're investing in your home that you live in. But I like investing in businesses. There's all kinds of things that you can do. You can. I have a, a company I invested in called Zalise, and they sell CBD oils. And then we put the product here in the center because a lot of people have arthritis, they have inflammation, and, and they can benefit from it. But that was off of a couple thousand dollar investment. So don't think about, don't make it too complicated. Invest in something that you know will work. You got money in the bank, you say, hey, I want to invest it, plus you want to get off your job, invest in yourself. Because I won't invest in anybody that don't that has not invested in themselves. Mm. How did you face the trials and tribulations on your profit gaining journey? Do you have any stories that you can share? <laughs> yeah, I have a lot. How did I face them? Um, for me, again, learning how to transition out of that colonialized slave mindset that had been ingrained in me. So for me, it was a reward system that happened because reading at four years old, being a good student, when you go into the gifted classes in the public school system, they're showing you how to be a good employee. Mm. So I was used to, I was a very accustomed to my feel good being those accolades from certain people in certain environments. Mm, that's a good point. So my, that was my reward system. And, and when you step out on your own, there's really no reward system. Wow. You have to learn how to reward yourself, you know? Um, and so moving into that, into that arena, how I dealt with it is that I just had to keep working on myself. I had all the tools because I had studied it. So I had to keep working on myself. Reason why I end up going through some really tough times of being homeless, not having no place to stay, lights cut off, cars repossessed, is really was here. Mm. I, I I could blame it on, okay, you ain't got no job. But what is that really? Because what's the difference if I go and get a job and I do the same thing on the job and make these people millions of dollars, but I can't do it for myself? Mm. What's, what's stopping me? It's my mind and how I see myself. Because I value them more than I value myself. And I value the reward system, whether it's the paycheck, but it's the accolades. Oh, Wendy's so smart. Mm. I like her. Let's give her an award this year. She's a rock star. You know, so I'm looking, I'm chasing that, that high. Wow. If you will. But I got to a point when I was doing business consulting, I felt like a fool because I was working for all these different companies, building businesses, building businesses. And I, and I said, why can't I do this myself? Mm. And, and what was stopping me was how I saw myself. Wow. That's a great point that you, I'm, I'm glad you brought that point out about the reward system and positive reinforcement, because that's probably the case for a lot of people, because I seen a meme. It says one person said, I just got a job. They got a hundred likes. One person said, I'm starting a business and they got two likes. Like mm -hmm. you said, there's no reward system. So we mm -hmm. have to reward ourselves. And I want to ask you, what is the 
most valuable principle in your journey that kind of keeps you in check? Because oftentimes when you're talking to a millionaire or you're reading millionaire books, thinking grow rich, rich dad, poor dad, as a man thinking all these great books is really all about mindset. And mm -hmm. if we have a poverty mindset, we think that millionaires are all oh, that's just BS. They just talking about be positive, right. but it's really what you need to be successful. So money is really a byproduct of that mindset. But when you broke, you think, oh, they just saying some crazy stuff. So what wealth principle or mindset principle did, do you think is the most valuable? Well, I say, what's the top two that okay. kind of help you be successful in your life? The number one was big ego, little pockets. Mm. Because remember, I'm I'm a I was a super employee. You can ask anybody that worked for me when I, you know, what no matter where it was, whether it was the National Center in Chicago or different companies I worked for, I was a good employee. I was good. I'm the first one there, the last one to leave. I'm multitasking. I got my list. Um, so as a super employee, again, think about that reward system. Now I'm out here on my own and I think I'm too good to sell. I think I'm too good to pick up the phone and call somebody. I'm embarrassed to have somebody see me struggle because I'm used to putting up this good front. So big ego, little pockets was one that I had to really work on for a long time. And somebody would say, well, what do you mean by big ego? Well, your ego is big because I thought I was too good mm -hmm. to be out here selling. You could have put, you could have put anything in my hand. And I wouldn't have went out there and sold no money off of it. It would have just packed, uh, stacked up in the corner. Mm. And that's what the way it is with a lot of people who come and they ask for something. And my thing is, okay, go sell this. Go sell these T-shirts. Mm. Sell this product. I got this product over here. They can't go do it because they think they're too good. Mm. So that's the big ego, little pockets. And then if you deconstruct that even deeper before I give you the second one, you go. I had to go all the way back to my childhood. Because people who have businesses, you know, I hear them be called hustlers and, you know, that insurance salesman that came to the door, my grandmother would curse him out. Mm. You know, he'd be walking up and down the street selling encyclopedias or he'd get cussed out. So all that's in your subconscious. That's part of your wow. uh, psychology of money. Another thing I learned was to really pay attention to my relationship with money. And be very intentional. I don't spend money with people who don't like me if I can help it. If I go in the store and you act like you don't like me, you got a problem with me, you won't get my money. Mm. If I'm doing business with you and you're disrespectful or you start to treat me in some certain kind of way, I'm not spending money with you. Mm. Um, I start really paying attention to my relationship with money in terms of how I grew up. My grandmother would say... Um, your money is your best friend. So what, what does that mean? That means that if I ain't got no money, I ain't got no friends. Mm. So when I was broke, I start dealing with the feeling of loneliness and depression because that's what I was taught. My dad used to say, stop begging and make folks hate you. Mm. So that made me not want to ask people for help. So those would be the two things, paying attention to my relationship with money and big ego, little pockets. That was a great. Uh, another one that I would say a lot of people suffer from is that money is the root of all evil. 
We hear a lot of people say that. And I was reading this book, uh, The Keys to a Successful Mind, I think is the book, or Millionaire Mind, something like that. And he was talking about uh, doing these declarations and affirmations, because if you believe that money is the root of all evil, then every time you get money, you're going to find a way to lose it. You're going to mm -hmm. spend it on something foolish or you're going to mm -hmm. give it away because subconsciously you think that you're evil. Another one was that when you have a poverty mindset or you come in from a poverty background, if you're getting money as a revenge and it's because of fear, getting more money is not going to lose that fear uh, mm -hmm. or, or do away with that fear. It's actually going to increase it. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. if you are trying to get money out of fear of not having money, the more money you get, that same fear is just going to translate to the opposite side. Now you're fearing losing the money. So you're never going to find true happiness. So right. again, to the next part of that, somebody asked before the peak of success, how did you use your time in relations to God, family, work, business and any other obligations? How did you find that balance if you if you did it all? Um, that balance was hard. Um, and that took some time because I used to say I had several Wendy's, right? I had corporate Wendy, who was the super employee. I had Muslim Wendy, who prayed all the time. I had gangster Wendy, who my mother taught how to fight and wasn't going to let nobody mess with me. And then I just had, you know, probably the little girl Wendy. But I, all those people, it took a while for me to reconcile. And let me give you an example of that. I was on a consulting project once and um, I'm the kind of person, I've always been very spiritual. I, I look for God. I'm the kind of person, God is in, in everything. He's everywhere. I see him in your face. I see him in what we're doing. That's just, that's just how I live my life. Mm -hmm. um, and, and there was a time where I wouldn't say that in public because I felt like I had to keep those things separately, separate. But the day that I, I started practicing bringing all that together was on a consulting project. There was a huge problem that we had that we were trying to solve. And um, one of the white guys said, I don't know why y'all brought her in here. She, like she the cleanup woman. She don't know what she doing. Mm. And so he made me so mad by all the little things he was saying. I had to start praying. And. I, I would not bring spiritual Wendy to work, right? Mm -hmm. So spiritual Wendy had to come to work to make sure that gangster Wendy didn't go off on this man, mm -hmm. lose the project. So I had to sit there, pray, and I asked Allah, I said, give me the answer to this. And I got it. And I solved something they had been working on for six months. And I started them playing with bringing my spirituality into my business. And at that point, it was like the worlds collided and I had this explosion of success. Wow. And so for me, I don't leave my spirituality out of anything. It's in everything down to how I treat people that work on projects for me. When we were building this hospital, we had a whole bunch of employees and staff members and contractors that did not look like us. But to this day, two, two years later, they still stop by to see how we're doing, making sure everything is okay, because I'm a stickler with making sure that I, I take the teachings that we've been taught and I apply that in the business world. And I think that um, I'm, I'm proud to say that I've really started to master conducting business in a way 
that always incorporates those teachings. So I, I don't let the two don't go. The two are, are one in the same to me. Wow. What motivates you uh, to continue to push through all adversities to reach your goal? What advice, what advice would you give your son about finances and what would you want to instill in him before he reaches manhood? So um, two parts to that question. One of the things that I look for, you know, we, you talked about money, somebody saying money was the root of all evil and all these other things. Um, not only it, not only would you think that money is evil if you focused on it and you believe that other people treat you like you evil if you got money, mm. which is an, uh, another interesting people think something's up, something's wrong with you. It's hard for people to believe that you busted your butt to get where you are. You know what I mean? And so, um, I learned to focus on the experience. I start, I ask a lot to create and put me in different places so that I have an experience and that becomes my focus. And then the money comes because it's helping me to have that experience. Mm. So what are you, what is my son going to feel like when he experiences graduation? What is my son going to feel like when he experiences his dream come true. And so we focus on helping him with creating those experiences around that. And then it's not so hard to go ask for the money. It's hard to go ask for the money when you, you have a colonized mind and all you focusing on is the money because you're scared of not having it. I hear so I tell, oh, Go ahead. Yeah. So I tell people that in business, I'm really an artist. I, I create and I focus on that process of creation. Uh, the next question is, um, how do you keep the money? A lot of people know how to get the money. Uh, we hear about people all the time who are winning the lottery and, you know, got passed down all this money and they end up becoming bankrupt. Uh, and they came and they got a lot of money. We definitely hear about it when it comes to athletes who don't know how to manage their money. So what is a good way to keep the money once we actually get it? Well, that's because they're not focused on the flow of money. They're focused on keeping the money, which is a static process. Mm. Right. You can't just sit there and keep the money. You got to spend some money. You got to pay mortgage. Mm -hmm. Got to buy clothes. You need a car. You might not need 20 cars, but you, you got to put some flow in there. But you got to focus on the flow of money. Mm. And then as you're managing that flow of money, you're smart with what's going out and making sure that, you know, it's appropriate with what's coming in. But you think about the flow of money and that comes from focusing on those experiences. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to have this experience over here of investing in this piece of real estate and developing this real estate. And I'm going to make X amount of dollars on it. And then I'm moving on to the next experience. And you may not take all the money from that experience to the next one. You may just take 50%. So you keep some, but you have to focus on the flow of money. This whole thing of I got to just keep money. That's a static process. Make money. Uh, afraid I'm not going to uh, have anything if I let go of the money. It's a flow. Mm. It's a flow. Somebody said, according to scripture, to whom much is given, much is required. What was required for your success? Peace, family. Thank you for checking out the Brother Ben X podcast. Many people are wondering what can I do now since digital real estate closed on October the 1st? 
I still want to learn how to make money on social media. I still want to learn how to market. And I still want to learn how to build my brand. Well, there's one more way that you can do it. It's a couple ways, but I want to tell you all about the ABS Tribe. The ABS Tribe is weekly coaching every Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday for only $50 a month. If you are looking for accountability, if you're looking for a group of people that's willing to inspire you, help you out, support you, encourage you, you want to get inside of our ABS Tribe because every Tuesday and Thursday, me and Brother Jake or one of our more top million dollar friends or six-figure friends are on teaching you every single week. If you want to join the ABS Tribe, go to www.whatisabstribe.com. www.whatisabstribe.com. What was required for my success was really developing myself. Um, that was the biggest requirement that I could tell that God put on me, that I had some work to do with my own self. And then once I started to get the success, I started to decide what's my platform. I see some people, their platform is breast cancer, prison reform. Um, we were talking before the show about Saj the House and reclaiming the home of the most honorable Elijah Muhammad and, and focusing on do for self, using that home as a symbol of entrepreneurship and showing people the legacy of entrepreneurship that exists. Um, that's the platform. So once you once you start to get working on yourself, then you have to figure out how do I give back? And, and my thing is, if I can help in any way, people have mental strategies and, or give them access to mental strategies that will help them to gain more success and be able to do for self and become, make it become infectious. I love seeing young entrepreneurs like yourself. You don't know how happy you make me when I see yourself and just sitting here looking at you on the camera. And all I'm thinking about is, I want to help make 20 more of him, 100 more of him. That's my platform. And so too much is given, or whatever it is. What is it? Much to whom is much is given, much is received. Well, I'm, I'm going to give and, and because I want to see your success and the success of other people that look like me just become infectious. Brother David, as you can see on the screen, says, did she have a mentor or self-taught? So, um, so this concept of mentorship, right? When you're in corporate America, they say, oh, we're going to assign you a mentor. But I think you can have, have different mentors and some mentors you can create, right? Some of us have never met the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, but he's our mentor. Right. So um, I'm blessed to, to have met him. But even looking at what he's done and how he's done things, that makes him our mentor. If, if I look at Michelle Obama and I study her, even if I don't have access to her, she's my mentor. She's right. my virtual mentor. Yeah. And you have mentors for different things. Um, I, I'm a big um, avid fan of Tony Robbins mm -hmm. and the whole neuro-linguistic programming and using your mind to create things. So in my mind, that's my mentor. Mm -hmm. So you create mentors for whatever it is that you need. You If you're lucky, you can get a mentor. But um, most of us, we may not have a mentor based on where we're trying to go. And the thing to remember, the world is changing so fast. Things are different than what it was 20 years ago. 
And in the corporate world, they may assign you a mentor because that's a mentor based on what that job has for you to do. When you start talking about finding a mentor based on what God has you to do, mm. you may need several different points of contact depending on different subject matters. Wow. Um, can you talk about, I know you said it, it didn't happen overnight. I want you to talk about the time that is going to take the patience because some people are looking at Instagram and, and entrepreneurs got people thinking, oh man, you do this right here. You're going to be 500,000 next week. Oh, you do this one wholesale deal. You're going to be a millionaire next week. And it's not always the case. And some people can get disappointed if they do a venture and in one week, well, I didn't receive it. So let me try something else. They tried here, but let me try something else. And we're not sticking to it because enough people aren't teaching patience and how much time it really took. And even mm -hmm. like an opportunity that we may have on the table. Yes, the opportunity looked like it happened quick, but that's that comes from <clears throat> years of time that we have put that we have put in preparing ourselves for the opportunity. So Talk about the patience and time that it's going to take to actually be successful in life. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes people reject patience because really subconsciously what we're saying is slow down or stop before you hurt yourself. But patience really is when you feel that sense of urgency where you want it to happen now, figuring out, OK, who do I need to be in order to have what it is that I want? It can happen as fast as you can become who you need to be. Mm. But it's 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 about using those those impatient moments to improve yourself. Self-improvement and focusing on that level of self-improvement because it's really a formula. Once you become the right type of person and you know how to conduct yourself, everything you touch will start to yield an experience that will help you gain access to the money and abundance and all the stuff that it that it is that you want. But when you go after it without getting yourself together in here, that's like having a job. So once the project's over with, you're not getting paid anymore. That's that's what, you know, you see people hitting these fast licks and, oh, it's on Instagram. If I do this or that, I'm going to make $500,000 and blah, blah, blah. That's not, that's not real in terms of sustenance. That's like having a job. Several people asked on Facebook, are you happy? And of course, I'm, I'm assuming they're asking that because we hear about a lot of millionaires, you know, more money, more problems, millionaires jumping off of buildings and they depressed. Are you happy? And if so, how are you able to remain happy? Because that is a, a, a reality. A lot of people get happy or get a lot of money and they really depressed, you know, think about committing suicide. So how do you stay in that place? Not only am I happy, I'm elated. And here's why. Because I focus again on the experience. So the more money I get, I, I pray Allah blesses me with a billion dollars. Mm -hmm. Because what I'm going to do with that billion dollars in terms of creating experiences and helping people is what excites me and makes me want to go and get it. So mm -hmm. that's what makes me happy. Being able to do what I want to do when I want to do it, how I want to do it with, with money and investing in other people. That, that makes me that, I mean, that, that I can't even put words to how happy that makes me. I think a lot of people say, Oh, you know, more money, more problems and all of that. I think maybe it's their focus, mm -hmm. you know, 
I don't know. Maybe they're focused on trying to keep the money. Um, my thing is I'm not necessarily focused like that, but I'm like, look, I need a certain amount of money to have the certain amount of experiences. And if that means that I can't give you <laughs> what you asking for, or I don't feel it because it don't align with my experiences, then I'm not going to do it. Mm. So, um, I'm happy because I like surrounding myself with beautiful things. I love creating. Um, when you create something and you see it come to life, I'm sitting in a building that started out on paper. Wow. That, um, you know, I was the main creator on. And um, I start, I'm sitting in a building that I used to be around on the, the dirt, uh, the hole that was in the ground before we put it together. So that's the kind of stuff that makes me happy. So I think you have to shift your focus on what makes you happy. Mm. It's interesting you say that because the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan said true joy is when you have an idea in your yes. mind, you work it with your hands and you bring it into fruition. And that really is the fun process. It reminds me of my basketball career. Um, and I just recently discovered why I stopped playing basketball. I was an All-American basketball player and I was denied uh, D1 scholarships. One, one because the, the scholarship I was going to get, the coach ended up getting fired. Other people said I was too small. Other mm -hmm. people said I was too short. All these different things. So I mm -hmm. created my own documentary called Beyond Every No. And Beyond mm. Every No was about me. Hey, beyond how many no's I get, I'm going to become a D1 basketball player. Mm -hmm. So my sophomore year in college, I actually started making, you know, dropping 40 points. I was number one in assists and I became an All-American. But once I made it, I fell out of love with it. And I and I and I came up with all these excuses. Oh, it was the coach or it was this. But what I found out was I made that my end point. I just wanted to prove that I could make it. Mm -hmm. and after I made it, you know, made it D1 and showed everybody I could do it. I was like, well, you know, I don't need next. <laughs> yeah. Next. I didn't want to do it no more. But I. But I, that's the fun of it. Right. Is yeah. Creating that. That's a high. Like like you wouldn't believe. Yep. It's the journey, man. The journey is really the most uh, fun part. You know, it's kind of like when you get new toys, you know, those who still celebrate Christmas. When you when I used to get those toys, you know, I, I thought I was going to play with it all year, but I played with it for about a week and I put it up. I got mm -hmm. it. It was just that high of being able to get it. I want to end off with this question and maybe we can bring you back on for more questions because I don't want to hold you too long. But the mm -hmm. last question is, how should somebody approach a millionaire? I, and and, 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 I, and when, when she's answering this, I want you to think about influencers as well. Because mm -hmm. you have to keep in mind when somebody got that type of money or even that type of influence, sometimes, man, they're busy. Like I had mm -hmm. somebody ask, you know, can we go out to eat every day? You know, can you just mentor me? Like, imagine a thousand, probably hundreds of thousands to the minister. How many people are saying, can you mentor me? Can I call you? Like, there's only one person. They can't scale. Mm -hmm. So what is the proper way to approach someone? And I read one post that I actually did. Like, one person said, how can I be of value to you? How can I add on to That's your That's where I was going to go. And in return, mentor me. So what is the way to approach? Just like that. How can I be of value it goes back to what I said at the beginning of the show. I won't invest in somebody that hasn't invested in themselves and mm -hmm. that doesn't bring something of value to the table. Yeah. So go to that person and be of value. And you always have to be of more service value than you receive. You should do more. But go to that person and say, how, how can I assist you? I, I laugh because if 
um, if if I was a a young entrepreneur and I met somebody like me, I would just be like, I'm coming to work for you. What you need? Yeah. Because I'm the kind of person I won't hold back in teaching or showing you. If you say, Wendy, how'd you get these coasters with your company name on it? I'm going to tell you. Yeah. And and but so many people, they won't do that. They come and they have a hard time. They they don't want to sit there. They don't want to learn. They don't want to talk to you. That That's what I would do. If I had somebody like myself around me, I would say, I'm. I'm just, I'm just rolling with her. Yeah. Whatever she need, I'm there. Because it, understanding the conduct is where the success is. Indeed. Like you said, it's in the journey. It's not in getting it. Yeah. And I'll add to that. Uh, in closing the gap, the minister was speaking about the Honorable Elijah Muhammad and being his helper. Uh, and he was talking about being a help meet. And one mm -hmm. thing that I think we have to really understand as well, not just helping how you want to help, but right. that person needs the help. If I say, mm -hmm. hey, man, can you help me come move my furniture? And you come over and you start cleaning my walls. Yes, you help me. But that ain't what <laughs> I asked for. So as a, you're approaching a millionaire or a mentor or a coach, make sure that what they need, that's what you're willing to give. Because mm -hmm. oftentimes you say, well, I helped you do this. I want to help you do this. And some people get get uh, offended. I don't want I don't want a T-shirt. You know, right. I, I want to send you a free T-shirt. I want to send you a free coffee mug. That's nice, but that's not what I need. So don't get offended if I say, you know, I don't want to do it that way because mm -hmm. that's not something that Brother Ben X values. It has to be mm -hmm. something that you value. And then I want to end it off. What are three principles that the audience need to start to apply to take their life to the next level? We already talked about two of them. One, big ego, little pockets. Get off your high horse. Take it down a notch. Number two, focus on self-improvement. Figure out who you need to be in order to have what you want. You know what your major flaws are. You know what things uh, you need to work on. Start going to work on those kind of things. Number three, give. Mm. Whenever you want, give. Mm. Whenever you need something, give. And that'll help you to kind of soften that emotional muscle so you're not pushing away what it is that you need, but always give more than you receive. There it is family. And where can they follow you on Facebook, Instagram? How can they support you? How can they figure out everything that you're doing? Yes, sir. So Facebook is mind of the entrepreneur. Um, Instagram is two places. It's Mo today, M O E T O D A Y and Sajda house, S A J D A H H O U S E. Um, Twitter is at the authentic you. And what else do I have? LinkedIn, it's just under my name. Um, if you want to email me, it's mind of an entrepreneur today at gmail.com. So there it is, family. That is Sister Wendy Muhammad. I thank you for. Um, Can I say one thing? Just in, in, anybody that's going to be at Savior's Day, uh, myself, Sister Sadia, Sister Wakiti, um, both of them are from Houston, and Sister Audrey from Virtue Magazine. We're going to be doing a workshop on Friday at 9 30. I know it's early. I know a lot of people ain't get in. You can change that flight and come in uh, because we're all about helping people do for self. And we just we just want to make this stuff contagious. 
Absolutely. Well, thank you for accepting the uh, the phone call or the yes, sir. Allowed to be on top of the podcast, and I look forward to working with you in the future. I'm about to do something, then I'll contact you in just a few minutes. Yes, sir. Very proud of you. Congratulations. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Uh, okay. All right. Man, that was a wonderful interview. I want to show you guys something from uh, the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan to end because there are some people, as she, as she spoke about, uh, who don't have belief. There's a, a, a multi-million dollar brother that I follow on Instagram, and then the minister spoke about uh, belief this morning. And we have to see ourselves as something um, great, because if you don't believe that you're great, if you don't believe that you're worthy, you're not going to go out and do the things that is required to become successful. So I want to show this video of the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, and then we're going to close out. One second. Here we go. This video right here is what I want to show you guys. Check this out. Because these brothers, you can't hook them on no foolishness called religion that got them looking in the sky. These brothers refuse to look in the sky for anything. So these are the brothers, the fearless young brother that's giving the white man trouble. So the only way he can stop the brother is to send drugs in the community to kill this youth before it can ever flower and blossom. But among these brothers right here is a great black general. Among them right now are scientists. Among these brothers right now are those that can fashion a world, but they don't know it. And the people will never see it until the mud is removed. And this is what Muhammad did for us. Most of us, a lot of us in the mosque, we were in the same condition yesterday. Mr. Muhammad took us and cleaned us up. Why should we get our own food, brother? Because you know that the white man got all these stories. And since he don't love us, he sells us the worst meat for the highest prices. He sells us the worst vegetables. He sells us poison meat. So if, if we're going to live a long time, and brother, this is the only life we got, we want to look to each other. See, you are the beautiful one. Not me, not us, but it's you, the people. See, because we come around here and the television cameras are on us, we're not the big shot. The people is the big shot. So we got to learn that this little life has but a short time to live. So if I can live this life to serve you and to serve you and to serve you, then that makes my life valuable. But there is no value to me if I don't serve you and help you. You understand? That's the way we're supposed to live. May Allah bless you, brother. Together. Look at this young, strong black brotherhood. How you doing, sister? How you doing, brother? No, you're beautiful. You're the beautiful one. But what we want, why did you see it that, that though he can think he's destroyed us, he put drugs all in the block and he makes us to think that we're nothing. Yet in your heart, you know that you're somebody and you are something. Muhammad wants you to know that you're the original black man. There was no man on the earth before the black man. You didn't have no brown man, you didn't have no yellow man, and you didn't have no white man before the black man. We are the greatest, all we gotta do is get up today and be our beautiful black selves. See, and the thing, and the thing that the white people hate is to see us showing love to each other. What he likes to see us doing is this. See, when he see a black man, excuse me, brother. When he see a black man hitting a black man, cutting a black man, shooting a black man, whitey bad man, niggas all right. They're doing just what I want them to do. But when he see us shaking each other's hands and walking like we in love with each other, then the enemy gets scared because the unity of us 
is what will stop the condition if we live in. So brother, wherever we are, we should unite and wherever we are, we should learn to love each other as we never did before. Wow, man. Look at that, man. That's the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, brothers. Probably over 40, 50 years ago, in the streets with the people, teaching them about themselves, motivating them. And one thing I want you guys to get out of that segment that I just played. Did you see how them brothers were smoking right in front of the minister? Did you hear the minister say, put that down, brother? Brother, we don't smoke, brother. No, don't be, brother, that's disrespectful, brother. He didn't do that. He met them where they was, and he didn't speak to who he saw. He spoke to the God within them. And then by speaking to the God within them, brothers, I'm pretty sure maybe one, maybe two is actually, you know, listen and change their lives. So I want us to just look at the example because he has saved so many people, whether you call yourself Muslim or not. He has been a brother who has been uh, very steadfast, very consistent um, in, in the rise of our people, man. So I thank you all for watching the Brother Ben X podcast. You can listen to this on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. It'll be uploaded on my YouTube, Brother Ben X. Also, follow me on Instagram at Brother Ben X. And if you are interested in some of the financial classes that I have with other people, you can text BBX class to 555-888 right now. Text BBX class to 555-888. Y'all have a blacktastic day, family. Peace. Hey, listen, family. If you want to learn how to build your own banking system, yes, I said it. Build your own banking system. We have a wonderful course, over 30 lessons, 25 hours of content that also comes with a 268-page textbook. Yes, textbook. That's going to teach you how to build your own private banking system with your family. And let me tell you something. You don't have to be rich in order to do it. Inside of this, go to privatebankingblueprint.com, privatebankingblueprint.com, and we're going to show you exactly how you can build your own private banking system for your family. Guess what? Say buy the credit. Say buy the debt. I'm going to show you how to do it with our private banking blueprint. See you there, privatebankingblueprint.com.